0: Welcome back to Pierre Pressure Podcast. I am Pierre de Gaillon. Once again, let me explain why I'm doing this. This is the Pierre Pressure Podcast where I try to peer pressure my friends who are musicians into talking about politics. I'm also trying to make some sense of the pressure that I feel living through this occupation in this strange time where politicians are misbehaving left and right, doing ridiculous things. And it just feels like a constant attack on my common sense, mostly beyond the attack on all the institutions that we hold dear. It's just an attack on common sense when you just have people who are supposed to have these really important jobs just staring at you in the face, lying to you all the time, constantly, constantly, just so sick of it. And I'm just trying to find all the people out there who are still believe in truth and common sense and trying to make a solution that works for everybody, not just some strange power grab that puts us all in jeopardy. So I've been talking to lots of really interesting musicians. The goal of this endeavor is to get musicians to speak up a little bit. Just tell me what they're thinking. They've all told me many times that they're not experts. I realize none of us are experts. I'm not an expert in politics. I'm just really consumed by it. And I also believe that politics is just not something that, we sort of check in with every once in a while. It affects every single part of our lives, more so the older I get. So it's really important to me and my views continue to take shape and evolve. And I continue to believe in the things that I believed in when I was first exposed to politics, but I have a lot more nuance to the way I think about them. And having these conversations helps that so the guest on this episode is michael rosas he is a formidable songwriter amazing guitar player singer i've just been a huge fan of his work for years and years and years he started out playing in hardcore bands and then he formed a band called smile which went on to be signed to a major label and do tons of touring and playing and made some really amazing albums from there He formed a band called Satisfaction and Flying Sparks. He had a band called The Measles for a while and now he's back to being a solo artist and honing his songwriting skills, which are, in my opinion, some of the finest songwriting that that exists on on this planet of ours. So I was really excited to talk to him. We've been friends and acquaintances for many, many years. Um, But you know, he's a man of mystery. We talked about politics, music, life in the United States we had a lot to talk about we had a really good conversation he's a very thoughtful fellow so we covered a lot of ground I hope you enjoy this conversation with Michael Rosas he did two songs so click around listen stay tuned for both songs that he does they're all they're both great I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michael Rosas and I hope
1: it helps to relieve the
0: pressure do you remember the first song you ever wrote
1: um yeah, start to finish, I do. Uh, well, the first song I wrote, start to finish, was a song, I think. Okay, so I guess the answer is no, I don't remember. Well, actually, Can let's you go tell me my response? Can
0: you tell me when you started playing an instrument and whatever instrument it was?
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, when I was a very, very uh, young kid, um, my grandparents... They, well, their entire lives, they were big musicians. They played in their church. Uh, my grandfather was a pretty accomplished violinist. Um, my grandmother and my grandfather played in, uh, played music for. You know, music was one thing that that I just attached to how I saw them. You know, I just always thought of them as music people. Uh, my grandmother played piano. She had a beautiful voice. So every time I would go over and visit them. Uh, there were guitars and violins and pianos in the house and everything. Was that in San Diego? Uh, this was in Anaheim. Okay. Just across the street from Disneyland, which is where I grew up, just a little bit down the street from them. And, uh, so at a really young age, probably, you know, as far back as I can, as as far back as I have memories, music was just always there. And, you know, as a young kid, when you go visit your grandparents, I guess a lot of times you're just bored silly so i would wander off into my uh into their music room and just pick up guitars and just play and and suck you know be terrible That's and so cool, everything else but i think it just kind of um was one of those things that was just there came naturally or didn't come naturally sorry that uh i was horrible when i was a kid but it was just there and i had an interest in it and then once i started to see an element of cool attached to the guitar once i got into music uh, and I started uh, noticing rock stars and seeing how there were these freaky people that were playing instruments, then it was no longer this thing that my grandparents did. It was also this thing that just made you cool.
0: So who were the cool people that you <laughs> saw that you were into?
1: Um, Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. Um, definitely Ozzy Osbourne.
0: Not a guitar player.
1: Uh, not a guitar player. <laughs> but a rock star for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but a rock star. So yeah. I think I looked at the guitar as sort of like the... That was the ticket into being as cool as Ozzy Osbourne okay (laughs) Um, you know and that's here's a funny thing when uh, I decided that I really wanted a guitar of my own um, I think well okay let me backtrack I had a a beat-up acoustic guitar that my dad bought me at a garage sale one one day and it was it was okay it was really hard to play it was a Yamaha or something and I used to tool around on that. And once I started to get serious, and I started thinking like I really want to learn how to play the guitar, uh, I asked my dad if he would buy me a, you know, a, a the next step up, whatever. What it age be, were you? A nicer guitar. This was probably when I was about seven. Oh wow. Something like my that. Right. Eight. I might be wrong there, but I think yeah, seven or eight. Uh, he offered me a challenge. He said, "Okay, well, if you learn a full song on the guitar that you have." Mm-hmm. Then I'll buy you a nicer guitar. So I did. I learned uh, what are words for by the missing persons.
0: No way. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
1: But the thing is. You At know, age eight? Yeah. Seven? Well, here. Okay, okay, so here's here's the catch. Amy Mann, right?
0: Isn't that missing <laughs> no, persons? Oh, no.
1: No, uh, that was, uh, oh, uh, that was uh, the uh, Bozios. No, right? no. Right. The Bozios. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah.
0: thinking of. Till Tuesday. Sorry. Ah. sorry, sorry. Yeah.
1: So, okay, so the catch is that I didn't learn it right because okay. if you know that song, if you're familiar it, with that am, song, yes. it kind of has the little. No, ding 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 anymore. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't learn that part. What I learned was the vocal melody, but on guitar. Oh, so oh, I learned like. So I did that, and my dad looked at me like, "No, you you screwed up. You learned the wrong part." And looking back, I realized that's probably that was like the first indicator that I was interested in vocal melody, right? You know, that's what
0: you were hearing in your mind. Interesting.
1: So that's kind of how I first. So I did that. My dad, you know, even though I did it wrong, so to speak, he thought, "Okay, well, he's clearly interested." And then I I think he uh, picked up an old. Fender, like a cheaper Fender guitar for me or something, and and then I got started, and then I was kicking into it, so Ozzy Osbourne, Missing Persons, a lot of that uh, 80s, mid-80s new wave that was kind of commercial at the time uh, was really my thing, Devo, I I wanted to be Devo when Mm -hmm. I was a kid, Uh, Ramones, things like that.
0: That's some tough stuff, not Ramones so much, but Devo is some tough stuff to play on guitar, I feel like. There's really weird stuff going on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's amazing.
0: So then you're, and then did you start forming bands or writing songs or how, what happened from there?
1: Okay, so I think that at some point later in life, maybe when I was um, 11 or, or, you know, getting close to being a teenager, I sort of dropped the guitar for a while. I just lost interest. Um, I got into breakdancing. <laughs> Of all things, Seriously? yeah, oh my God. like pretty heavy and really, dancing. yeah. Do you still have the moves? Hell no. <laughs> probably, They're in there I'd somewhere. Throw my back if
0: I throw some, if I put some cardboard down, right here, come on. <laughs> no, I just.
1: I think it was sixth grade. I was in a talent show at my oh, elementary man. school, at Deerfield Elementary School in Irvine, and we had the cardboard out, and I think there were four or five of us that were the break dancers at school. Oh my God. And I had all the weird... You know, for some reason, I think because it was trendy at the time, so you could go to a store like... Breakin'. Miller's Outpost. Yeah, Breakin' was out. Yeah. So you could go to a store. There was Miller's Outpost
0: I, I worked at Miller's Outpost ah. in, on 17th Street. It was oh. one of my first jobs, yes. So I know it well. I used to fall asleep... Sorry to diverge, but... I used to fall asleep in the... They had these circular racks with all the pants and shirts in them, and mm-hmm. inside it was empty, and people would take turns sleeping in there because they were so tired like the employees and one person would watch <laughs> out and there'd be people sleeping inside the racks. How old were you when I you was were working there? 15. At? 15. Yeah. Wow. And we would sleep in there and every once in a while a customer would come and like would go to the rack that you're sleeping in and they'd open it and they'd see a kid sleeping inside the rack because you'd have to be there at 6 a.m. or some ridiculous thing. Yeah. So you're just exhausted. Okay. <laughs> I'll,
1: so I'll get back to the... the Sorry. <laughs> no, I'll get back to that in a second Sorry, but chat. I was going to just... I, I was going to share my version of that I was working at coffee shops when I was maybe 17 or 18 yeah and we used to clear off one of the racks in the back stock room where all Mm -hmm. of the beans and things were and we would do that so the opening crew same thing we would have we'd make a bed we'd put down all of the towels and we'd get in we would do all the stuff you have to do and we would take turns like okay I'm gonna go back and sleep for an hour (laughs) (laughs) and then somebody else would go wake you up and then they would go back there that's the
0: beginning of a long succession of figuring out how to sleep at work as a freelancer. But that's in a whole other story. <laughs> All right, so
1: I got really into breakdancing. Uh, I was in a talent show for breakdancing. Uh, that, at, at that point, that's when I, not to get go off on a too many tangents here, but I was getting more into the electronic music scene at that time, like the the early hip-hop, Run-DMC, and that sort of stuff. And then craft work and yeah. just because it was all of the music that had that sort of sound, that breakdancing beat kind of sound, you know? Early I, I would pay such music. good money
0: to see a picture of you in like full breakdancing glory. <laughs> oh, Do so you have my,
1: my point of bringing up Miller's Outpost was that because I think breakdancing was getting sort of trendy and you had movies like Breakin' In and all of that, yeah. Beat Street and all of that, yeah. that you could go into a mainstream store like uh, like Miller's Outpost and walk out with some pretty funky duds. like duds with like twelve zippers, like a shirt with a, you know maybe like a charcoal shirt with some
0: some asymmetrical stuff asymmetrical flap on.
1: that comes down and yeah. snaps down on, like on your lower torso, and then, and then a zipper that holds it in. A, you know, just some weird stuff. I
0: didn't know if Miller's Up got that funky because I I remember it as like jeans and. Levi's jackets, very western, right? That was the whole
2: yeah. vibe. But I oh, guess yeah. it was the '80s, so yeah,
1: I think they, they just had to yeah they cater to their
0: clientele. So
1: anyhow, then <laughs> so my point was that I got out of playing guitar and out of that sort of thing for a while. But then, uh, then I got into skateboarding pretty heavily, and through that started getting into some of the punk music that was popular in the early well, I don't want to say early skateboarding scene, but when skateboarding started becoming more mainstream in the mid '80s, yeah. Um, there was also a lot of punk and metal music that was sort of attached to it like when Metallica was first coming out they were often featured in Thrasher Magazine
0: right what was some of the punk
1: stuff uh, Agent Orange was one of my favorites Orange County Band right Orange County Band and they were featured in a a skateboard video called Skate Visions that was made by Skate and me and my friends used to watch it all the time and I loved that band and anyhow so then I started getting into punk and then it was sort of like the louder and faster the better and there was this sort of convergence where then I realized that there were kids that went to my high school when I was maybe 15 that were into a lot of that same music. And uh, somehow I think I was skateboarding at somebody's house because they had a ramp out front and there was also a band that practiced at the house. And I went in there and thought, oh, wow, this is cool. It, so this is a very roundabout way of me saying that it was it was sort of a social thing that got me back into playing music that I realized like, oh... um, I can play music and meet cool new people and kind of have people to hang out with and stuff to do. And you're you and you're, at,
0: you're what age at this point?
1: That like was it's... about 15 or 16. So what you're
0: not saying, you're being too cool, but you're not saying that it's a way to meet girls.
1: You know, <laughs> I, I would agree with that, but at the time it wasn't. Really? Because I was... know for me, I'm maybe
0: I'm just okay. projecting.
1: <laughs> no, no, you, you, you know, I've thought back on this. So I think that the path that I took was the path of no girls.
0: Oh, really? Because Straight edge.
1: it was the kind of music where there were like girl, there were girls around. And I, yeah. you know, once I started playing in bands, there were cool, really with it, you know, cute girls hanging around. Yeah. But at the time when I was getting into the music, it was just a bunch of sweaty skateboard dudes yeah. that were just like, you know, dude, that new DRI album is cool. Like maybe we could do that, you know, and yeah, start playing yeah. fast. So I started playing in bands. That were kind of called hardcore, I guess, yeah. here in Orange County. Yeah. And to me, it was just like metal and punk, you know. Yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, at some point in this conversation, we can talk about how that sort of branched off into how things got, how I started to recognize politics and music. Because obviously, right. punk and hardcore can be and has been. Very Absolutely, very much. right? Yeah. But well, you can talk about that At now. the time, not, yeah. to me, it was just like, oh, this is like those bands that I like that I learned about, you know, that I've heard and that I listened to, and now I'm doing it. Like, I, I play guitar, you know, that's what I would tell them. Like, I think I was at this house, there were these guys that I'd never met, and I was like, hey, I have a guitar, I can play, and they were like, okay, cool. And it just so happened that I think, if I have the story right, they were just getting this, they had this little punk band and they were just getting to the point to where they wanted to be kind of on the cool, hardcore wave that was starting to come out at the time. This was like right after bands like Minor Threat had already kind of come out and mm-hmm. gotten big. And then there was this scene happening here in California. And their guitar player at the time was sort of like a... I don't want to get myself in trouble, but I think he might have been sort of a little bit of a neo-Nazi skinhead oh, type. Shit. There was a whole Nazi scene out here. There was um, the Vandals. Yeah. Well,
0: the Vandals weren't really in it, but there's. They
1: were they? But No, they weren't. I they weren't, think they but were there were, were bands all. around that t- time
0: that were pretty...
1: And a lot, yeah. you know... To, Skinheads. Really, I think it was just, that there were a bunch of bands. Yeah. Some of them were like that, a lot yeah. of them weren't. Yeah. But the crowds that came to the shows... were resisting,
0: openly resisting that yeah. scene. Yeah.
1: But the crowds that would come to the shows were a mix of all totally. of them. Totally. I saw some I mean? of those shows, it was crazy. And yeah. they would, you know, often it would just be fights and stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, so I think they wanted a new guitar player because they were thinking well we don't want this dude in this band and I just He's came Nazi. at the right time <laughs> so
0: Nazi. let me ask you though what guitar uh, this is nerdy but yeah. when did you get an electric guitar like okay. you had uh, the acoustic from your dad
1: so back yeah. when okay so back when I uh, earned the right to get a nice electric guitar by yeah. learning the missing person yes. song my dad bought me a Fender Lead 2 okay and it was a like cool a little, little yeah. it's a weird guitar if you yeah. look it up on the internet it's like the body is sort of like a smaller... It's sort of like a Fender Mustang combined with a Fender Strat. Cool. A uh, smaller scale, yeah. like a Mustang, but a little bit more looking like a Stratocaster. Yeah. I thought it was awesome, um, and I played that to death. And I had that until uh, eventually, once I started getting into the metal and punk, my mom, uh, when I was a young teenager, bought me an Ibanez... That's what you need Destroyer
0: Okay Does that have a pointy headstock? Yes Okay good.
1: It was Metal Flake Red <laughs> Nice And I, do you remember a television show called Kids Incorporated From oh, that sounds familiar The 80s It was a kids show okay. obviously, And it was like One of those shows where you have a group of you know Six, seven, eight kids They all have a band and they was it
0: on like regular TV because I didn't have cable yeah I
1: think this was pre Nickelodeon there were about
0: seven channels
1: so. it was like a Nickelodeon yeah. style show but okay. before Nickelodeon yeah. anyhow the, the, the guitar player guy on that show had this guitar okay The and, and to this day I have no clue how I figured out what that guitar was because there was no internet right. I couldn't go on and just google like kids yeah. incorporated guitar right. somehow I figured it out right it's
0: amazing that we used to figure things
1: out without yeah. the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Like I really, I have this. Maybe like once a year, I'll think back and think, how the f- <laughs> f- did I know what that guitar was? So
0: that's cool. Um, so you found it.
1: Got that guitar. Had the rad metal guitar.
0: Maybe you walked into Guitar Center or whatever it was back then. Get what was it? Was there a Guitar Center? Guitar Center then? for sure. And you, you yeah. saw
1: it or something. It was probably just there. Yeah. yeah, and. Um, that was it and i got that guitar started shredding i was learning metallica i was nice. learning all the shred stuff wow. and that was it and then i, I jammed with these uh, punker kids and well they weren't really like punker kids they were orange they were irvine kids that uh, wanted to play punk right but you um, had the
0: discipline to sit and learn and, and figure all that stuff out and go to that level of
1: technique cuz right. that's so not
0: easy to do at all obviously
1: i already had yeah, yeah i had it and i don't know why i was so motivated to learn it and not to say that I was a virtuoso, but I think I was pretty good at doing the metal shred stuff yeah. for a young kid and and I thought, oh, I can do you know I can do this like mm-hmm. you know what you guys are playing is basically like what I know how to play so yeah. then then we got together and we played and I learned their songs and um, what was that called and it worked so that band, I think it had a name uh, that we eventually changed, and then it was called head first oh right okay, and that then we became sort of like a semi-prominent fixture on the Orange County hardcore scene you know in like 1988
0: so right around that time there was a band in Irvine it was the it was Zach De La Rocha yeah that what was, was his band
1: he had a band called Hard Stance
0: that's right I remember yeah right.
1: and then were you uh, around
0: those guys because like, they were like Irvine that was that similar was,
1: scene that was our whole crew right? okay
0: cool that's what I thought yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: well I mean not that that band wasn't our whole crew but that right. was part of those our people. little right. scene and we yeah. would all hang out all the time and then Hard Stance. Uh, Zach then also went on to start a band called Inside Out, Okay. which was uh, a band where he, I think he was a guitar player in Hard Stance. Then he became the vocalist in Inside Out, huh. and then I later uh, was one of the la- one of the in one of the later incarnations of Inside Out was the guitar player. Oh, the, you were with oh. Zach, and then
0: well, Inside Out as just a little. And, Aside, is my kid's favorite movie right now. Mm. (laughs) It's a totally different thing. Okay. It's an animated movie about feelings. Anyway.
1: Interesting. So, anyway, and then we had uh, Inside Out. We had a song called Rage Against the Machine, and then uh, I quit that band. Did you write it? No, I didn't write it. Uh, I may have, you know, had some input on the riffs or something, maybe. Interesting. It's hard to remember. But then uh, I quit that band. Right after I graduated from high school. Inside Out. Inside Out. So
0: you went from Head First to Inside
1: Out. I was in Inside Out and Head First at the same time. Oh, I see. Head First, we knew we were going to end things right about the time that I graduated from high school. We had like one last hurrah. We made an album and did a tour and then we ended it. Uh, Inside Out, I was sort of moonlighting with, I guess. And then uh, I quit that band uh, because I was starting to realize what I wanted to do with music and... The hardcore and the, just all of that wasn't quite what I was... You know, it just wasn't what was in my heart, I guess, mm-hmm. or whatever, right? So I let, I let that all go, and then I think, you know, Zach went on after that too. When I was playing in Inside Out, he was already playing, I think, with the guys from Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Including
0: uh, the guitar player? Tom
1: Morello. God, I, love I believe guy. so, yeah. yeah. he's amazing. He's awesome. So Is I he from they, Orange County? No, but I think he's from this... I, I don't summer, know. I think he's anyway, from this area, yeah. because they were jamming and. those guys had been in some funk metal band called Lockup I think prior to Rage and then um, when I was playing Inside Out that was sort of the semi-political angry hardcore slash like groove rap hybrid and the other guys they were doing Inside
0: Out was doing that? Yeah. Oh interesting already because that was kind of ahead of its time.
1: It was starting to move in that direction Yeah. uh, and the other band that he was doing was more of like a from what I understand, I never heard what they were doing at the time, but from what I was told was more of a party funk mm-hmm. metal sort of thing, like like what was popular also at the time. The Red, like art, red Chili red Peppers were coming out and stuff. stuff yeah. So I think that when I left Inside Out and then that dissolved, I think that that was the, you know that that was the magic uh, thing where they those, stuck those two pieces they together. Stuck those two produce like the chocolate and the totally. peanut butter, and then it was just the magic combo for that for Rage for that the Machine, right? right. Yeah
0: that's cool and so you left and then is this are we getting into Smile territory so right
1: after that I started Smile and that was with a couple people that were in Head First Uh, at that time I had already gotten really into Nirvana and a lot of this you know that's when the Seattle thing started happening with music so I got really into Nirvana I was also into some of the more abstract metal like uh, like Voivod was a band that I I really loved yeah um there was it was a cool time for music they were a little more
0: mathy or whatever a little more mathy yeah, a little really more bizarre
1: cool. so it was a cool time for music there was a lot was. of stuff crossing over and weird oh, yeah. stuff and well I just also thought, what you
0: said before sorry to interrupt yeah, but you, you come from metal and then but then maybe the aesthetics of metal or whatever are just not what you want to be like you maybe don't want to be like have long frizzy hair and wear makeup or something or whatever yeah. but so much of that metal goes, in, goes into that early 90s punk
2: so Absolutely, yeah, the, you know what
0: I mean? It's like a really cool. Yep. But anyway. Yeah. So, um, oh, I wanted to ask you was Scott Reeder in um, Head First? He wasn't. Okay. No. So, uh,
1: Okay, so, uh, Head First, we had a drummer named Kevin Murphy. Okay. Who, uh, went on to play guitar in a band called Far Side, which also Zach De La Rocha played second guitar in for a thing? while. No. No, there That's was a, a different, okay. There's Farside. PH, but this was F A R S I. Yeah. Uh, but he continued to play drums. He was the drummer in Head First. And then he basically, Smile was uh, Head First, the hardcore band I was in, without our vocalist. And I and just you jumped, uh, on jumped on vocals. Cool. Uh, at first. Yeah. That was sort of short lived. We had a second guitar player for a very short period of time. And then it was just me and the bass player from Head First, who was Aaron Sonnenberg. And we needed a drummer. Uh, at the at the time, you know, this is still pre-internet, so uh, we had a thing called The Recycler, which was basically Craigslist, but it was a... It was a magazine. It was like a newspaper format yeah, of Craigslist, remember where you would it. just yeah. go to the, you know... Any
0: kind of listings, all kinds of stuff, right? Exactly. Cars, garage sales, Drummer Wanted, whatever, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, so I posted an ad, Drummer Wanted, and it was a really short, dumb ad. I, I'm pretty sure it said, like, influences, because every time people posted ads yeah. like that at that time, it was like, you know, influences... L.A. Guns, <laughs> Neil Young, you know, whatever. Yeah. So we put Drummer Wanted, Influences Pizza, um, I can't remember what else we put, but it was dumb yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And Scott called me up, we met one day at this coffee shop I was working in, and uh, the one that I used to take naps in. Yes. And, um, and you know, at, okay, so at that time, I was already entering my sort of, like, alternative you know, I was abandoning all of my hardcore and uh, metal roots. I cut my hair from being sort of longish to being like kind of Weezer ish, uh, right. if that means anything. It does,
0: like a little, uh, a little bowl cut or yeah, whatever. Sort yeah, sort of like a mop top. Yeah.
1: Slightly Beatles, but yeah. slightly like LA indie rock. Sure. Uh, you know, the little, the black, the, the horn rim glasses and all of that. And. Aaron, the bass player, was his own version of that, and then Scott shows up in these like checkered, uh, vans pants, and his like long. He looked like Mark Slaughter, if you know who that is. He was a singer in this band called Slaughter. They were part. Oh, of that. I remember Slaughter. Like right, yeah. the the last last gasp of the L.A. glam I'd rock scene. Like, yeah, was That's there what, was Slaughter you, and Winger. But he wasn't
0: wearing. You you could have put on your um, break dancing jacket and. Sure, as
1: would have looked good together. It would have. It would have been yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I guess my point is that Scott was from a completely different world. He was playing in a, a sort of more of a hard rock, sort of L.A. Sunset Strip style really? band called Mojave. Oh, nice. uh, I don't know if he would agree with that description, but you know, they were more on the that sort of hair rock scene, and he was at a transition point in his life where he had just. Gone to Lollapalooza maybe or something like that, and seen Soundgarden for the first right. time and Jane's Addiction yeah. and all these bands. Oh my god! And was just like, that's what I want exactly. to do. Exactly. I don't want to do what I'm doing with these guys. I yeah. want to do something like different. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately for him, he ran into our ad, and then we started Smile, which was kind of like a weird mishmash of grunge yeah. and sort of like descendant style nerd punk and uh, classic rock and just weird stuff. You know, we just kind of found our way.
0: Well, I think it's, like, really grounded in, like, that period. Um, sonically, like, super aggressive guitars, but so tight. And, like, his drumming, and you're playing, yeah. and mean, everyone's playing, but, like, I think it had its own amazing um, technical prowess that wasn't around with a lot of those bands. It was cool That's to great. be kind of loose, I think, and sloppy or whatever. It was. Fucked up, and you guys were not loose.
1: Well, we, we had a good checks and balances. It yeah. was like, you know... Scott really wanted to play like Alex Van Halen and John Bonham and, you know, whatever drummer that drummers he was worshiping at the time. Yeah. But he also wanted to play in a band that made sense in a time where that kind of stuff was not cool anymore. You know, we were entering that time where it was like almost uncool to be good. Right. That's what I'm I'm saying. saying? Like Pavement or something. I
0: love Pavement, but you know. But they're not And I think that was part of if the we
1: first. had any sort of magic formula I think that was a big part of it. It was the fact that I was getting lazier as a guitar player. Um I was definitely a lazy uh songwriter and vocalist at that time even mm. though I think I had moments, you know. Scott was sort of the the fact that he was laser focused on prowess. Mm-hmm. He kind of kept us out of falling into that falling 100% into that place of just being out-and-out out lazy, you know, musically. I think you're kind of, like, being too humble. Like, because I don't <laughs> think...
0: like there, It wasn't like you were about to just suck and then Scott came. Maybe not. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> no, just kind of... But, um, no, so it's too. great. And um, and then also vocally, like, you were kind of growling more
1: back at that time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I had no singing voice. Really? Uh, at, at that time. I didn't know what my voice was. Right. You know, so I thought... Uh, basically, I cobbled together a singing style based on uh, John Reese from Rocket from the Crypt that's amazing and uh, and maybe like Kurt Cobain right and I think that was it and maybe then every now and then I would think about the stuff that I liked that was older like you know the Beatles and Mm -hmm. um, this is like early Smile our first album and that's all and I just thought okay Mm -hmm. that's how I want to sing because it Oh, and, and Descendants. Like, I loved um, Milo. Milo from The Descendants. Milo, Ackerman, yeah. So I think if I had to... You know, that was it. I wasn't, like... I wasn't it even was trying crying, to find my own voice. It was just sort of like... I like Milo, I like Kurt Cobain, I like John Reese. So I'm just gonna do something like that. And it was kind of fake, but I figured... I, through that, I found my own voice. Yeah. You know? And so you guys were... Um, were you on Cargo,
0: or you were going to San Diego a lot? And...
1: Yeah, we were yeah. sort of... Uh, one smile sort of got off the ground it was uh, O from the band Olive Lawn and Fluff yeah he sort of uh, through him and then our friend uh, uh, we had a mutual friend Chris Fahey that I don't know if you knew him but he was doing a lot of the booking and shows in Orange County Mm -hmm. and then uh, O was sort of our uh, link into the San Diego scene which really both both the Orange County and San Diego scenes seemed to have something brewing at that time Mm -hmm. so it, it and we sort of fit into it uh, naturally, I think. So it started to become really easy for us to make friends with other bands and start playing shows around in San Diego and Orange County. But we did kind of uh, get to the point to where it's, a lot of people thought we were from San Diego because we were playing down there so at often. At the Casbah. We, right, at the Casbah. And then we got uh, the attention of that the label that was putting out all of the bands from that area at the time, which was Headhunter Records on yeah. Cargo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, our first record came out on that label. So we were kind of, kind of part of that scene, but maybe a little bit on the outside of it, you know? Yeah.
0: Mm. I mean, I, was, I remember it
1: very well. And I thought that was amazing because, like I said, you know, I was really taking a lot of cues from Rocket from the Crypt at the time. There was a band called Heavy Vegetable, one of my favorites of all time uh, Rob Crow, Crow, Rob Crow, yeah Pinback and all of that oh yeah oh yeah blew my mind so I I I I wanted so badly to be part of that and to be accepted by that scene and everything so it was nice to be somewhat you know part of that
0: but it's interesting that you say Heavy Vegetable because like they for me were doing something so different because the songwriting was so uh, beyond what most just heavy bands were doing yeah yeah no, not we. Yep. So um, you started with the Bill Withers song, which is called "Take It All In and Check It All Out." Right, great song.
1: I love that song. So I love Bill Withers. First of all, it's not my favorite Bill Withers song, but because <clears throat> you mentioned that you know we were gonna dabble in talking about politics a little bit, I thought ah you know that song sort of captures a, a sentiment that um, I I just think is just it was probably so relevant when he wrote that song, which is, I don't even know what year that came out, you know, I'm just imagining early 70s or yeah. something. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just, it still makes so much sense to me now. And ba- you know, the basic message I get from that song is like, you know, uh, you know, it's clear that he's talking about politics. Um, but, you know, the basic message is just like, hey, before you get all riled up or in somebody's face or before you Uh, just start building your entire identity on uh, a particular idea or ideology. Uh, Just maybe give yourself a little time. Take a deep breath and just like uh, get as much information as you can and kind of step back and get some perspectives from different people. Mm -hmm. And uh, just take it slow, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a pretty... And just try to understand... Where you are with with the idea, you know exactly.
0: All sides. It's a very relevant message for, for these days. Just because.
1: Yeah, I heard that song for the first time when I was getting into Bill Withers. It was right about the time, that uh, I think, you know, things were starting to ramp up toward the 2012 presidential election, and I think you had like the Tea Party. The second Obama. Yeah. Election, yeah. So you had the like around 08 or something mm-hmm. maybe it was when the tea party thing started happening mm-hmm. and then you had the occupy thing happening mm-hmm. you know later down the road and it just seemed like things were getting and then you know there was, god just a convergence of so many things uh you know social media and blo- you know yeah. just a lot of stuff and I I was listening to Bill Withers and I heard that song and I just thought ah perfect song for for right now you yeah. know
0: what I mean yeah as people are just Entrenching themselves on their sides, yeah, and putting their blinders on, both on both sides, yeah, yeah. and have I think in, in the song he's like, you know, they're waving signs and they they got their philosophies and yeah, they're not really listening, yeah, yeah, or learning, right. So that's cool. I mean, I think that's yeah. a
1: really so I thought it was a cool song. Yeah.
2: Peer pressure podcast is brought to you by
0: Baby Sloths.
1: So yeah, there was Smile, and then uh, the next band was Satisfaction, um, obviously with you know, our mutual friends, Matt and James. Yeah. And then, who were also in Smile for a while and then Smile, yes.
0: the bass player left. Right. And you decided to become a different band. Yeah.
1: We sort of, yeah. to kind
0: of get more poppy. That's my take, but I yeah. mean, simplifying. I think,
1: you know, by the end of Smile, Let's go back into, into Smile history again, but, uh, real quickly, we were starting to get into different styles of music. Yeah. We were in, a, in an odd place where Smile probably should have, Become a different band sooner than it did. Mm-hmm. the 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 complete line the you know, the whole lineup changed and it was basically just me being the only original member right. and then we had a bunch of great other musicians. We were playing new material, different. Our sound was changing. I should have probably just said, "Hey, we should start a new band at this mm-hmm. point." But instead, we kept Smile going for a while. But then, naturally, we changed and started Satisfaction, mm-hmm. which was a whole new set of songs, uh, and then. After that band ended, uh, after a few years, we continued uh, with part of the lineup, different bass player, and started for a very short period of time, Flying Sparks. Right. And we didn't. We played some shows. We recorded some tunes. But I think what was becoming really clear to me, and probably to you know the other guys as yeah. well, is that it was m- now at a point where it was mainly driven by me my songwriting Mm -hmm. direction more so than any of the other previous projects yeah and it was really I think uh those songs were my were my voice yeah you know uh and it just made more sense for it to become just a solo thing yeah I mean I know
0: a lot of people who go through that who are songwriters and who've always um operated within the band Dynamic, and yeah. it's a really hard thing to say to yourself. I actually want to go solo, or yeah, because we've been, especially if you're coming from like a punk or something aesthetic, you've been trained to say like that's so lame to put your name on something. You know what I mean? I do. So there's a little bit of like. Oh, no. Tall poppy syndrome, which is like this Australian expression, meaning the tallest poppy gets cut off, so don't oh, yeah. be too cool or you're going to...
2: Sure.
1: So
0: you don't want to do that, but actually that's what's happening. And right. So Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So actually, I totally we're, get we're, it. We could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like punk guilt and all of punk these things. Punk guilt. Where totally. Where like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, people are going to think I'm lame if I just do something that or nobody my really name. cares. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. <clears throat> but but yet yeah, you're just doing all your songs anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I know I totally
1: get it and I you know I, I love the idea of bands I love yeah. bands you know yeah. I love more bands than I love solo artists so I right. always wanted to you know wanted to be in a band right. and you have that you know especially when we're young Right. you've played music for a long time it's easy to have that I, that ideal image in your mind of this like gang of great friends sure. who are like you know just out there who all have world, the same last music. name because they became the Ramones or whatever
0: <laughs> Right, <laughs> wear the same jackets you know, at yeah. some
1: point hey, that doesn't fit for everybody <laughs> right you know? it's like we can't, we can't all be Motley Crue living in a in a run down house in LA <laughs> right. with a bunch of drugs and scantily girls clap. coming by bringing yeah. food for us okay, <laughs> right you know right. what I mean <laughs> at some point you're like oh, I might be a little too old for that <laughs> right
0: So then we're getting back okay, to America's. So American, yeah. yeah. So that was came out during Flying Sparks. That was. Or you, you yeah. recorded an EP or a bunch of right. songs so or we, an album? We recorded
1: a four song EP. Yeah. That was one of the songs. <clears throat> uh, it was originally a Flying Sparks EP, but then right after that is when the band dissolved. So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to take that music and re-release it as just a Michael Rosas EP. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of my, uh, I guess, my first, you know, way to kick off a solo career in Mm -hmm. quotes, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. I haven't really done, uh, I'm working on another EP right now, but, uh, there hasn't, there hasn't been a long string of, uh, recorded works out out after that. We'll we'll get busy, man. We want to hear it. (laughs) Um,
0: but, but, um, so that song, so tell me why, I mean, I've, I've heard it a lot and I love it and I never would have thought of it as political, but it's got, it's really dense. There's a lot going on with the lyrics, so I'm not yeah. exactly sure. I mean, it sounds like a it's, love song to me. But. It
1: is kind of, yeah. And it's, you know, it it's pretty abstract and I'm not going to try to uh, claim that I had some sort of like grand, uh, some sort of like specific vision in mind when I was writing it. You know, that one definitely was one of those, you know, sometimes you write songs for a purpose or you have a specific story you want to tell and other ones are just like, you know, the thing where you're just kind of painting a picture, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, what I was picturing at the time when I was writing it and what I was trying to convey was this idea of this, um, sort of like the, uh, the ideal American dream sort of love story where you have a, you know, there's this young man and this young woman meet and they just want to fall in love. They just want to like go down that, ideal path that some of us or a lot of us have in our minds maybe it's just an image that's kind of been put in there from days of yonder or whatever it is uh, and just mainly but then doing it in a time that maybe feels uh, a bit chaotic or noisy or uh, in a culture that maybe thinks that that ideal is somewhat silly and, and outdated and trying to just you know, these people are just trying to live the life that they want to live and be left alone, and not be bothered by the noise, and not be bothered by government, and not be like hindered. Like, hey, look, you know, this is what we want, you mm-hmm. know. And in spite of uh, the the battles that are raging around us, you know what I mean? Maybe, you know, it's not really a, a judgment. Like, you know, I think what I was feeling at the time was that, you know, in discussions that I would have with friends about politics and around the election uh, at that time was it seemed to be that there was this growing feeling that everything was polit- everything was politicized. Yeah. You know, like yeah. what are you making for dinner tonight? Well,
0: <laughs> kale. Oh, well
1: How does that reflect it? Yeah. like, you know, oh, your, oh, really?
0: Oh, really? Oh, you're cooking meat. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So I think it's just more of like, you know, maybe just a reminder to myself that there are uh, that people have values, people have goals, people have things that they want to accomplish in life that while, uh, government and politics do play some role in the, the story start to finish, uh, that most people I don't think really want politics and government to be an ongoing, uh, to be like your little buddy that's always hanging around while you're living (laughs) your life. You know what I mean? I think it takes, there's some people who are really ensconced in it and they, they do want that, but uh, a lot of people don't, you know, and they don't want to be Hindered, or they don't want roadblocks in their way from being able to accomplish what they've decided they want to set out and accomplish. You know, I hear you. I think it, maybe you, yeah, this might be like a libertarian
0: philosophy or something. That you're,
1: I think it's starting to I'm sound gonna, like if it. If
0: I'm going to define it, just because I'm being yeah. annoying and poking, or but maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe
1: less about libertarianism yeah. and just more about liberty in general. Okay. you know, and yeah. how that kind of converges with the the classic um, uh, the The ideal of the American dream that was maybe sort of uh, that concept that was maybe perfected in the 50s Mm -hmm. by advertising and whatnot, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? That I think a lot of people still, you know, and with good reason, a lot of people still just want to have that. Yeah,
0: but it's hard to know what it actually is and practically what it actually, I mean, we want to be... Ozzy and Harriet. I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Maybe we do, but it's yeah, it's tough to get there. Yeah, exactly. There, a lot, there were a lot of people at that time who weren't having such a good time. Yeah. At the expense of what Ozzy and Harriet get to sure. experience. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm being a little abstract, but no, it I'm wasn't sure. that cool for everyone back yeah. in the '50s. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know what I mean? No, I understand. For women, for you know, people yeah. of color, whatever. So. Yeah,
2: so. Pierre Pressure Podcast brought to you by Russia era Yeah, so, my, uh, dad's is, so mm-hmm.
1: yes, my dad's side of the family, so I'm half-Mexican, I guess, my dad's side of the family. My grandparents um, were immigrants from Mexico. Your grandparents? Yeah, my dad was born here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, my last name is Rosas. It's weird to think about it because I don't think about myself as a having Mexican heritage, okay. you know, and, um, you know, I'm sure that there are some people that think I should, you know, or there are some people who think like, oh man, you need to get more in touch with that. And maybe that's true, you know, yeah. but I think I should when I feel like I need to. And, exactly. You know. It's your,
0: it's, it's up to you, but it is, yeah. it is, it is, I would consider it something interesting and, you know, a new, another facet Absolutely, a, a, that is a rich, you know, adds a richness to Right. Anybody's story, you know what I mean? So, but absolutely, it's your life. You don't have to wear a sombrero or something,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which I do enjoy doing sometimes. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it's weird. I, I really, I just think of myself as a as a Southern California dude. I totally, you know, which it. is uh, what I am. That's what I am. Yeah, I mean.
0: yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, we're talking about politics. There's a lot sure. of pretty nasty stuff going on with Mexico right now, mm-hmm. and. You know, you don't have to be the obviously. No one's electing you to be like the representative of the Mexican population, got but it, there is not. really nasty stuff flying around, and things sure. are, you know, kids are being put in cages and whatever. Yeah. I mean, immigration is a really complicated issue.
1: You're right; it's super complicated. I mean, you I, don't I
0: have to the answers. You know, no, I know what you're saying. Like, you don't have yeah. to like want to throw kids in cages, mm-hmm. but you might say we got to fix things that's not working that well, and maybe not everyone.
1: Absolutely can
0: and, always come into the country because we can't
1: I agree deal with it. Look, yeah. you know, I think that um I think if you went around and tried to find people who just um really just want other people to suffer. Right. It's gonna be hard to find them. You know what I mean? Most of us right. like nobody's uh in spite of like the volatile uh discussion or you know, just the uh yelling that happens on issues like like that, like yeah. immigration or whatever is, you know, happening at the moment. When you step away from it, you know, people just wanna ideally like people just want to want a good solution. Yeah. That is um you know uh that expresses compassion and understanding, but is also uh fair and uh and and makes sense from, you know, keeping the nuts and bolts of our country running properly, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there might not be a a, a clean cut answer to that problem, a clean cut solution, you know, but, uh, shit, I think that, you know, there are probably a lot of people who have a lot of good ideas that we're not hearing because it's being drowned out by, at least in the, in the public discussion, you Mm -hmm. know, it's being drowned out by the, the wacky extremes, Mm -hmm. Look, I pay a lot of attention to this stuff, and I still feel like it's super confusing. Do you you vote? Uh, I do, yeah. yeah.
0: And um, do you consider yourself a patriot?
1: Patriotic? I do, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, like, you know, in thinking in the the days leading up to us doing this, I was thinking a lot about just how I feel about things, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think... That the point of views that I, that I appreciate or that I want to listen to most have nothing to do with an ideology or like a political ideology. Mm-hmm. The opinions and uh, perspectives and ideas that I want to hear most often are the ones that are coming from a place of somebody having gratitude and appreciation for what we have today. You know, what is our country today Mm -hmm. and do we, do we love it or do we not love it? Yeah, there are things you don't love and yeah, there are things you do love. But what I mean is more of like that bigger feeling of like, do we want this to still be here a hundred years from now? Do we think it stands for something good? And if so, if we can find that common ground, then it's like, okay, let's, let's talk and let's, let's get all the bad ideas out, but let's also let the good ideas rise to the top and, and make those happen.
0: A lot of people would say that some, that a lot of people in power are not playing by the rules or are not, are just disregarding sort of the setup that, that we've had for yeah like 230 years or whatever that's been working well yeah. and that a lot of that stuff's being stretched to its limit. Yes. You know, like obviously there's always a right and left and they, and they come and go and they go and, it, you know, it sways one way and another. Yes. And like you said, most people, I think like... There's no way everyone can fit into a neat political category. No. Everyone t- picks and chooses, but it seems like people are um, disregarding the rules and the institutions that have made it keep going. You I mean, know what I mean? It's like, like I have six-year-old 100%. kids, yeah. and they fight. I have twins, and like they fight, and fighting, they're pissed off, and they run away, and then I have to go in and go, okay, here's the stuff, here's what we're agreeing on. You get to play for three minutes, and then he gets to do this, and you... Those are the rules, and then they can do it. It's yes. cool. So I think we've just like disregarded the rules lately of how power changes and yes. how, how people influence it. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I, I agree 100%, and I'll add to that, that I think that one of the things that is slightly different today than maybe it was, you know, um, let's just say 50 years ago, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. There's always, like you said, there's always been like ideological battles between right and left, mm-hmm. you know, since the... Since the beginning you know I'm a musician I could be 100% wrong but my feeling is that today the people that are participating in in politics today are more hell bent on winning Mm -hmm. as opposed to what has been the process that has worked in the past which is battling Mm -hmm. but then especially during campaigns right You, you battle you battle or you know there's the battle of the ideologies and then hopefully that shakes the you're like shaking the tree. Right. The Things bad, are falling the Bad out. ideas fall right. out and the good ones you, you those are, that's the fruit, right? Right, yeah. Uh now I think yeah. I think that the, the focus is more on winning. It's on winning, yeah. Regardless of the cost.
0: Well the problem with that is that the side that's winning is now is saying um we're responsible for the people that helped us win and not the other side normally whoever wins still has a whole country to take care of right even the losers right but lately it seems like thank you for electing me or i mean i'm playing my hand obviously i'm not a fan of trump in (laughs) any way but so it's like thanks for electing me and all the other guys can fuck off i'm just gonna pander to you because you love me absolutely and it sucks i mean that's just not the way it should be exactly now you know
1: i think campaigning and, and you know campaigns have always been dirty right yeah but i think that uh, again and i could be 100% wrong on this but yeah. my perception is that once once a campaign is over yeah and people get down to the the job of governing yeah then it it seems like it, there's always been that uh that thing where it wasn't about winning it was just about battling but the, the yeah. best ideas work you yeah. you work together and what makes think what what gives us progress is mm-hmm. not the fact that one particular ideology is dominating the other. Right. The progress comes from the best ideas. Right. From the, the time, interchange. Right? But now yeah. it seems like what we're seeing is that when, it's like winner take all. When they're when, in the in the process of governing, they're yeah. also trying to win. Where right? right. it's like, and it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you know, maybe one day it's Trump, the next day it's somebody else. But it, it's really like they're still campaigning while they're governing because oh, it's yeah. like well the things that the you know
0: cuz the bottom sorry i mean no you go, with for it. It, go for because it. It. the end game is power it's not um yes making things better for everyone
1: it sure seems that way yeah it seems that yeah. way it's a weird time man because look we've got social media right, which is very say. different the way that we get yeah. information is so different and it's it's like that's obviously I'm sure this is a cliché way to put it, but it's the obvi- it's, it's like the Wild West. And that oh, it way totally goes, is. Right?
0: We're in the first days of the internet and it's right. wreaking havoc on our, on our society. And I think Obviously, it's... there's a ton of great stuff that we, we love, that we use every minute. Absolutely. But there's... It's like cigarettes. Like, yeah. They were like cigarette ads for yeah. children in the 50s, you know? <laughs> now yeah. it's like, whoa.
1: <laughs> My take is, you know, if I had to really just Our rip cars. up a, a simplified outline of what I think of the current state of things is that you've got this weird convergence of extreme narcissism in in American people, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not widespread across the entire country, but definitely uh, in high density in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have... Maybe a huge sense of um, uh, maybe I'll combine two things into one to say people who feel that maybe they have an extreme lack of purpose in their lives, like meaningful purpose, like yeah. real, not like my purpose is to right. work, do a good job, and put ta- food on the table for my kids, yeah. but more like purpose of like what the Why what am the I fuck alive? is this? Why am yeah. I alive? And right? Uh, well, I don't that know,
0: I'm not taking drugs, opiates. I mean, yes. that's, uh, Giant. But
1: then also combined with like a lot of people who just feel um, maybe whether it's true or not or, or, or maybe that all depends on your perspective of either like feeling disenfranchised or victimized by something. Let's yeah. maybe not even talk about what that is, but just something right And then And, it's easy to seize and then on that. Yeah. you just have this complete new form of communicating right. with one another that we don't really understand. and then lastly, I'll add to that. I think a complete breakdown of basic traditional etiquette. Like, totally. I think, like, you know, it, it's almost as though, like, kind of how we were saying that maybe in politics, like, a lot of politicians just feel like it's more important to just win and dominate. Mm-hmm. Living here, it really seems like a, a lot of people are taking the approach that all bets are off. Like, hey, listen, yeah. We used to have a certain amount of etiquette, a certain amount of courtesy and mm. honesty and respect for one another, but now the stakes are too high. In my mm. opinion, th- we're in crisis mode, right. so I don't have time to be courteous with you anymore. Interesting. I need to just make sure that this country doesn't burn,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and that could be whooped up because of the fact that maybe the, you know that person is just feeding themselves a daily supply of propaganda from whatever their right. particular ideology is, yeah. or you know, I don't know what the reason is, I'm never gonna know all of the answers. But it's my point is you've got this very strange cocktail of all of these things coming together. I think that ultimately the way the world works is that eventually it sorts itself out yeah. and we stabilize, but I think it's gonna get a lot more intense before that happens. Yeah. And it's gonna get uglier. Yeah. Know? So it's important for everyone to kinda know where they I completely Stand in this mess And it's
0: like To go back to the social media thing I think one of the most destructive Things about it Is that You can be anonymous And you can Comment And Say Whatever hurtful stuff you need Behind a completely anonymous Screen And so like People have have Been trained now To just be total assholes or be trolls or whatever yeah. because you don't have to put your name on something and it's something you would never say to a human being standing next to you. Oh, uh, yeah. You know? And so yeah. until... I just think... I think you should never write anything in an email or on the internet or whatever that you wouldn't say to that person if they're sitting next to you. I you totally know? agree with if that. If we did that, I mean, it goes to the civility thing that you're talking about. Yeah. You know, basic uh, etiquette. If, you could, if we could give that ourselves that rule things would be a lot different
1: absolutely you know? <laughs> do you think it'll ever get to that point or do you think it's I mean, going to be that the internet land is just plays by different rules than well, real life
0: I think there's interesting stuff going on now with like um, Facebook and, and Twitter and all those guys like um, re- trying to regulate hate speech yeah it's hard because they don't want to be the arbiters of decency they don't want to be censors but if they could I mean there could be things where listen comment sections from now on you have to you have to vi- verifiably be a human being or be somebody yes. has to be able to track who you are if you're going to write a comment even on a video yeah. like you know you've seen ridiculous comment sections in, in sure. YouTube Perhaps and how so. insane they get yeah. or wherever if every one of those people like, you had to have like an extra degree of like here's who I actually am Yeah. imagine how different it would be, It'd be you had to put different. your name to it like your face or something I but don't know. then
1: I, I do agree with that however huh? yeah. uh, but then you do have like Public figures who uh, everybody knows who they are, but I think because they feel that the rules have changed, oh, they right. just completely just, in my opinion, are just complete monsters online. Oh, like the guy that's you know?
0: in the White House, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I would agree
1: with that. And on down and on <laughs> yeah. down the road, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't think somebody is cooler because they are not old-fashioned. You know, right? Like, hey, I'm modern. Like, I'll just like. I'll tell you to fuck off pa- right now. And I'll wear pajamas you know? at
0: the airport. Like, yeah, and pajamas <laughs> at the
1: airport. Like, okay. Cool. But like... That sucks. Yeah. Right now,
0: like... So let me ask you, do you have any feelings about the national anthem and like this, like protesting ball games? Like, mm-hmm. so the national anthem, I would say is like the most political song we have. It's like the sanctioned song that we have to sing at events and things sure. like that. Hmm. But maybe it could be reworked I'm not saying it's going to happen this is just totally me it's like spitballing but I'm like this is like the song everyone has to sing why is it that song is there something else that might be better what would it be you know what
1: I mean yeah uh good question you know um I don't have any beefs with the song necessarily (laughs) but uh you know I think it's just like I was saying before um I don't think that everything has to stay the same forever Mm mhm but at the same time i don't think that we should uh you know i don't think it makes sense to not have it unless we've got a better idea you know <laughs> what i'm right, saying right. yeah like you know if 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 you take all the positives of the national anthem over you know over right the, over history and you say look we've got something else that will have all of those positives and also add these additional benefits. Look, you know, I know I'm being very vague here. Yes. (laughs) I guess this is around about... Because I'm kind of trying to
0: poke about, like, the protests, taking a knee and stuff.
1: Yeah, so that stuff, I think, you know, I have a pretty clear opinion on that. And it's like, look, you know, I think, like, with the taking the knee thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a very specific scenario. You've got a man who is, you know, making a a political statement Mm -hmm. on the job. Mm Mm-hmm. And just like any of us, I think like, look, I could care less whether, you know, I think, I think the debate has just been wrong on this. I think okay. a lot of people have been discussing whether or not it's okay or not for him to do it. Mm-hmm. Like in the grand sense of whether or not you love America or right. you don't love America. That's not the point yeah. of that whole thing. The whole thing is, you know, whether you agree with the issue that he was trying to bring to, you know, to our, uh, bring awareness Police to you. And whether you right. And, yeah. and whether you agree with his stance mm-hmm. on it or not. Uh, the fact is he was doing it he's doing something on the job and really it's just like regardless of what I think or what you think it's really about what his employers think Right. and you know but
0: that's I completely agree with you but I would I would follow up that by saying why are his employers making sports figures sing a political song at a sports sporting event like you're not working for the government yeah sing a song about Staples. That's who's paying your bills.
1: Sure. And that's a <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good way to look at <laughs> yeah. it. You know, that's another it's another tradition. But, yeah. you know, uh really I you know, I could I could give a crap. You know, what mm-hmm. what I what really bothers me about the discussion around Colin Kaepernick and everything is just more of like the posturing and dishonesty that happens around it. You know, really I would say uh that, that whole situation is more uh more than anything else, a very, very beautiful display of capitalism and how cool capitalism is, because of the fact that here it's twofold okay you see how the NFL has kind of taken a hit, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people would argue that that the whole that whole protesting thing has a lot to do with the mm-hmm. whole controversy around the n f l yeah I don't follow sports that much, so I don't know for sure yeah. there are experts that could discuss this in great depth, but okay, so you have you know uh, maybe a bad or a, a controversial business move on the part okay. of the NFL by, you know, by allowing that to happen as much as it did. maybe you mean blocking him?
0: Or allowing a protest to happen? At first, but okay. then,
1: you know, the decisions that were made by the okay. NFL po- Resulted in? Possibly resulted in uh, Loss of profit. Less profit. Okay. Okay, so it was a business decision mm-hmm. and they now have the consequences. For him... It was really good. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not going to, you know, suggest that he had it in his mind all along, but he's got a great career now. You know, there's like the Nike thing. And everything yeah, but, else, he's,
0: but he doesn't play football anymore.
1: I know. Yeah. And, but, you know, one could say that, you know, that, I mean, he's, you take a relatively average player... You know, had maybe one good season. I don't know, maybe two. Well, I, don't, I didn't follow I don't his really career. Know, yeah, honestly, I think he had. I a, I think he, he came in and had a great season. Okay. And, and then was just sort of like, after that, eh. You yeah. Know? Okay. And his, he became, you know, it, he was the kneeler after that. Totally, that's what like, he is for hey, history.
0: Yeah, for the rest we live
1: of in America, and it's a, yeah. you know this is a capitalist system. Like, dude, make some money.
0: So you're saying he found his he found his shtick, and it's great, and it's and he's taking it all the way to the bank.
1: I think that's a it's, little
0: cynical. Look,
1: but <laughs> it, you know, and I don't mean for it to be cynical, but yeah. I think it's a whether it's annoying to me or not is irrelevant. Yeah. Okay, and it is a little bit annoying to me. Yeah. But the things that bother me more, the thing that I like about it is the fact that it's just an awesome display of capitalism like out out in our face if i had a band like you know if i hired five musicians to play on stage with me and one of the and the bass player decided that in between song five and six he wanted to do a little you know get some uh some signs out and talk about like you know venezuela or some shit if i if i dug it i'd say cool and if, if the crowd dug it i'd say cool like Okay. You know, like if I was okay. down with the cause, whatever. Okay. But if I thought, well, wait, you know, this is distracting people from what the reason I'm here. And it's like, Hey, half the people leave when you do that, huh. then I'd say like, don't do that or do that. Or, or I'm going to get a different bass player. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's the bottom that's line, really you know what I mean? so yeah. I think it kind of like worked out for him a little bit and, you know, clearly it's working out for him now, you know, money wise, I think the discussion around it was just you know so heavy like everything else these days where you you know if you're wise and if you if you kind of pay attention it helps you if you want to pay attention to the noise around a, a controversial news topic like that uh you can really and if you expose yourself to both sides of the argument you can really train your senses to be able to t- detect the dishonest b s mm-hmm. on all sides yeah
0: so let's shift gears a little bit have you um yeah did you do touring like in other countries much? Did you go to no. Europe or
1: no? No, okay. No, I think the music that I'm writing now. Well, I, you know, I'd like to think anyone can like it. I think that I could go to other countries for sure. and yeah. find little scenes in there, and, and you know, be appreciated. Well, that's the sure. crazy
0: thing about being American or or English speaking is that in every other culture, your music is relevant because you speak because you sing in English, but then there's. 700 other scenes out there where they're not singing in English mm-hmm. or they have to learn English if they want their music to go anywhere besides their country. Yeah. So we don't realize, sometimes we take advantage of how lucky we are as musicians if you're singing in English because there's people trying to make records in English and they their English is ridiculous and sounds horrible. and oh, You know? know it's pretty cool. Just... <laughs> but I kind of love it. Sometimes people make the craziest mistakes with English. Oh, and it's great. Doing, yeah, I know. Okay,
1: so I was in uh, last... Last year, right around this time, I was yeah. in South France, and we went to, you know, just some little bar. Yeah. And there was a young lady that was playing cover songs of of popular American songs. Right. Popular, covers of popular American songs. And after about three songs went by, I realized that she... Probably didn't know the language very well, so English. she was just doing the mouth shape. Phonetic, phonetic, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was great. I <laughs> I've seen it. that.
0: I've seen that exact situation in France many times. Yeah. For a, kind of a final question, wrap sure. up. Sure. What's the worst outcome, and what's the best outcome, in your opinion,
1: for where we are now? Mm, the worst outcome and the best outcome. Okay. I hate to do this. But I think because it might sound like a cop out, but here's what I think the outcome is, will be, and uh, and I think it is the best and worst wrapped up into one. Okay. Okay. And then if you if you think this is a lame answer, then we can expand upon it. <laughs> it's your answer. I think that we're going to end up in a place very similar to where things were post Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Uh. Especially in the music scene, like sometimes I try to figure out where the music's going. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that uh, very non-threatening, very soft, very light music is going to come back in a big way, because I think that after the next, maybe after 2020, I don't know, mm-hmm. I mean, but everyone's going to get exhausted exhausted You can't go it's not sustainable right. i think things are going to get weirder mm-hmm. but then people like kind of like what I, how i was describing that song american that i played like mm-hmm. i think most of the most people just want to be like they don't want to be 100% engaged in this nonsense nonstop mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and even when people aren't totally engaged all the time like you know you're doing a podcast mm-hmm. that touches on these topics you know that's a rare thing you know even though there are a lot of people that are doing podcasts mm-hmm. When you look at the grant, you know the the whole population of our country. Most people aren't don't care enough to do that. You know what I mean? Like what you're doing is kind of counter to the mainstream. Still, I think. Cool. But your average people, I think they just want to like buy stuff and just relax and enjoy their friends and family and just. they people are gonna burn out mm-hmm. real fast. So I think that music is gonna get. I think that that's going to happen. We're just going to go back to leisure life for a little while. Yacht
0: Rock? Like it's going to just be...
1: It's going to be full PTSD for the American (laughs) public. Uh, And it's going to be that and just... What does that music sound like? And fun music. Fun music. Like how disco Disco kind of came out of that era as well. So you had like your... Who would be the... Yeah, maybe like Yacht Rock or ABBA. (laughs) Yeah. People are just going to want to like... People are going to be like, Fuck this. I just want to go dancing. Yeah and it and not That's, the and I know that dance music and things like that are popular now, yeah, but I think that it's all sort of wound up in the culture, sure, and I think that people are going to want to disconnect from the culture a bit and go into just fantasy leisure world for a while, okay, just like I don't want to hear about like I don't want pompousness, I don't want anger, I don't want. Well, uh, any like I just want to chill.
0: Yeah, the thing I would say, I would, I have to say though, to that is that, yeah. that's cool if your life is okay and things are okay. But if you're, I don't know, if your child, if your son's incarcerated or your your daughter's on, you know. Yeah, opioids. Like it's gonna be hard for people to chill. You're right. And so people are still really trying to fix this shit. That's
1: why I said it's the best <laughs> and the worst. Okay. <laughs> because yeah. Because there's a lot of darkness. Yeah. Know, there was. There's a lot of darkness in that, and yeah. there's a lot of you know. It's not good for people to just. Yeah. Uh, check out necessarily. You're right. I see. Like what you're wholesale checkout. Okay. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. okay so. Um. Can you tell me
0: anything you have coming up, or if you're working on any projects that are coming up soon?
1: Sure. So right now, I'm in the middle of recording a new EP. It'll probably be three or four songs. Um, Most of it is recorded, but I need to mix it. So when that's done, and hopefully soon, but I've been lagging on this stuff, it'll be available on iTunes and uh, just under the name Michael Rosas on michaelrosas.com, and I'll probably be doing some videos for the tunes and putting them on on my YouTube channel. Great looking forward to it. And that's it. No doodles or anything like that yet. Yeah, a little bit. I'm not just tour. I'm not
2: shopping for jumbo jets right now. Cool. <laughs> Thanks Michael, this is great. Yeah, you thank you. It.